there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Hello, welcome again to your politics, the RTE political team's weekly take on what's been happening in Leinster House this week. We're a bit scattered today. Tommy Meskell joins me here in our Leinster House studio. Mary Regan joins us remotely. And Michal Lahan is with us from the Elysee Palace, no less, in Paris, where Taoiseach uh, Leo Varadkar is attending the Gaza Aid Conference. You started the day, Michal, by tweeting um, the French uh, ceremonials, which uh, looked very pretty in front of the Elysee Palace. But there was a very serious theme, wasn't there, to this meeting? Yeah, no shortage of pomp and ceremony in front of the Elysee Palace. But the facts really quite stark. And as Leo Varadkar arrived here, he is one of the big voices at this particular gathering. There were representatives from governments across the EU, also politicians, senior figures from Middle East countries as well. Uh, but it was his statements that many really did regard as being quite centre stage. Obviously, it's convened by the French president, Emmanuel Macron, uh, and he opened up proceedings and again went some way towards uh, that position of a humanitarian ceasefire saying that is necessary, pauses probably in the first instance, he said, uh, and then a full ceasefire. But very strong words from the Taoiseach saying that it was necessary, saying too that all lives are equal and that that had to be central to everything, that Israeli and Palestinian lives are equal and there can't be double standards because mm. if they are and they're left unchecked, well then quite soon you've no standards at all. The conference did hear too from people working on the ground in Gaza and that's the most stark of all really that was heard here today. They are saying that as water and sanitation fails, quite soon it is possible that thousands of people will die in Gaza every day unless there is that humanitarian ceasefire. Yes, and there's this sense, isn't there, Michal, uh, that while Europe and the EU, uh, there's been a lot of division in the response, um, there is growing international dismay, isn't there, at the scale of the civilian suffering in Gaza while this offensive from the IDF continues? Yeah, you get a clear sense of that at this meeting here today, although the Taoiseach speaking afterwards saying that the European response at the start was nowhere near akin to what it had been for the conflict in Ukraine, but he hopes that it will become more solid in the period ahead. And central to that is the humanitarian ceasefire. He said, too, that that is where America is now headed, and that is, of course, the big ally of Israel. I suppose, crucially, though, in all of this here today and what was heard was the fact that Israel wasn't present in any form, although mm. the word from the Elysee Palace is that what has agreed at the meeting uh, that will be communicated by President Macron back to Benjamin Netanyahu quite soon and that those discussions are ongoing. Uh, and I'll come back to you in a moment, Michal, about the Apple tax case. But just staying with this business of talking, Tommy, and the politics of diplomacy, that's been an issue in our politics here at home, hasn't it? Yes, uh, Leo Varadkar yesterday actually during leaders' questions uh, referred to the fact that uh, it is better that the EU responds at, as a whole and this was following calls from people before profit for the government to expel the Israeli ambassador to, to refer uh, Israel to the International Criminal Court. But Leo Varadkar, Leo Varadkar was making the point that 
if Ireland were to do those things, it, it wouldn't really prompt any response and probably would be largely ignored by, by Israel, that you're better to act as a collective. And I suppose that's what we're seeing there today uh, at the mm-hmm. event that Michal Lahan uh, is attending. Uh, but also as well, the government has, keen, was, has been keen to point out too that it sees it as very important to maintain those diplomatic ties, to keep the Israeli ambassador here, to, ma- to ensure that there is those lines of communication with countries that play a, a huge role in the Middle East. And of course, this is in contrast with Sinn Féin saying that the position of the Israeli ambassador here is now uh, untenable. Um, Coming back to the other big news of the day, Michal, uh, the Apple tax case ruling. What happened and what difference will it make? Well, politically, the the reaction from the Taoiseach here is quite clear. He, He says that this is by no means over, that this legal process uh, will run from for quite some time and that it could be a two years or more before a final decision is taken. Of course, you do have that opinion today of the Advocate General, which uh, does seem to suggest that things aren't going the government's way. But again, Leo Varadkar reiterating that government position that it never had any special deals with big companies. Yes, it did have a low corporate tax rate, but never any special deals. So sticking to the original position and no undue panic or alarm just yet anyway. Talk to me about what's been happening at the Public Accounts Committee, Tommy. We remember a few weeks ago that RT were once again before the Public Accounts Committee uh, and it turned into quite a a fractious uh, meeting uh, really centred on a note that was taken uh, this was a note that was taken during what was seen as a key meeting in terms of agreeing Ryan Tuberty's contract uh, and in, in particular that tripartite agreement where a, a commercial sponsor would underwrite a deal. RTE maintains that it so didn't... basically the payments through the barter account. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And RTE maintains that it didn't want to provide this original note taken of the meeting to the Public Accounts Committee because RTE were citing client solicitor confidentiality. They also felt that it could set a precedent uh, which could be damaging to, to RTE and and what it does. So today, uh, the Public Accounts Committee met because RTE had provided an offer, a compromise, if you like. RTE were offering to provide a summary of this note, but it wanted the Public Accounts Committee to meet in private, to look at us and to not discuss us publicly. However, the co-chair of that committee, Catherine Murphy of the Social uh, Democrats, had raised concern about this offer. She made the point that the Public Accounts Committee is doing a report on this overall controversy. And really, how could you have a report that didn't include findings in relation to that note and that meeting? Um, if if you if they couldn't discuss a pop- publicly, then they couldn't include uh, those findings in the report. So today the PAC met and they decided to reject the RTE offer. However, they have amended what they're requesting from RTE now. So now they're saying that they want to see the original document, but that they will look at it in private and they won't discuss it publicly. However, they want a summary of the note also. And that summary, they say they should be allowed to discuss publicly. So that's sort of where they at, where we're at. They want a response from RTE by Monday. So they want to see the full document in private and they want a public version that they can discuss in public and include in their report. Yes, and that would be a a summary, but that they could discuss that publicly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it looks as if that one has a way to go. And Mm -hmm. uh, Mary, I I gather you're back with us. Tommy's just been filling us in on what's been happening at the Public Accounts Committee uh, after this compromise offer from Mm -hmm. RTE on this uh, this key meeting, this note about this key meeting in May 2020. And of course, the other thing that politicians have been looking for is to see from RTE what their plan for the future of RTE, given what we know about the finances of the organisation now, what that plan is going to be. 
Yeah, so that's all looking ahead to next week. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, in the Public Accounts Committee, just uh, speaking to some committee members today, I mean, there is a bit of a sort of time um, limit on all of this, because you might remember during the summer, the Committee on Privileges and Procedures, which sort of dictates the, the agenda and the procedures of, of, of the Oireachtas, extended powers to the PAC to look into RTE, because theoretically, it's the media committee that should be you know, looking at RT, but they've only given them those powers until the end of this year. So, um, you know, for that reason, really, there is a bit of a time pressure on this to look into this matter. The media committee is going down a sort of separate route that's looking at the whole issue of the licence fee payment and the overall funding situation of RT. And Catherine Martin, the Minister for Media, has told that committee recently that the money that's being requested from RT that would make up for the shortfall in licence fee will not be um, made available from the government and will not be considered by government until she sees a plan uh, for what RT intends to do and uh, go forward a strategic plan. And that's something that we're going to get sight of uh, next week. All right. Uh, Another story you've been working on this week, Mary, and it's one that uh, a lot of people have been talking about. And this came from the Fianna Fáil Ardesh. And it was Norma Foley Foley saying she was going to start taking action uh, on smartphones in uh, primary schools. What's proposed and will it work? Well, what's proposed isn't really a concrete policy as such. She is just looking at what happened in the town of Greystones in County Wicklow, where eight schools, primary schools or parents associations came together and decided that none of their children would get smartphones until secondary school. And it seemed to have worked very well there, but it's a voluntary approach that it requires, you know, buy-in from parents. The minister wants this to be extended across the country. Uh, so what she's doing is advising parents to take this approach and also will send some uh, information or you know, uh, advice to schools on how to implement it. But I suppose it begs the question really as to whether such a voluntary approach is what's needed or does such an approach put the pressure on parents when there has been some criticism of the lack of regulations around uh, what's what what the tech companies and what social media Mm -hmm. platforms themselves are doing. And a comparison has been made to um, our own legislation here, which was introduced last year uh, in in relation to the Online Safety Act that was passed in the Rockets last December. The UK has brought in its own act in the past couple of months, and they are going much further in terms of this sort of classification of what's described as online harm. So, you know, it's been broken up to various systems like um, aggressive harm that might include bullying, sexual harm, mental health harm. And then they put more pressure on the social media companies to include age verification for children. And they are putting the pressure on on the companies to work on this whole issue, which is called safe you know safety technology basically the platforms themselves come up with their own their yeah. own technology to verify age and you know some are saying well maybe that's the road that are that the, the, that the government here should be going on instead of placing all the pressure on parents to not give their children yeah. phone because in many cases that won't be workable so the phone itself is the device but what goes in it should be regulated you and me all have young kids mary you guys haven't had to grapple with the whole issue of smartphones and when to get them and all of that yet have you not yet. <laughs> <laughs> How about um, you, Mihal? 
Yeah, yeah, I've been through I've, I've been through all this and it was just at the end of primary school. So it's it's, it's in line with government policy. <laughs> We're glad to know that. Uh, they are a curse. That's the only thing I can say. They are a curse when they come into your child's life. But that would be my personal opinion. And obviously uh, to be ignored. Um, the other big story, um, well, certainly amongst uh, journalists, um, has been this uh, legal action that Sinn Féin TD, Chris Andrews Michal, is bringing against not just the Irish Times, but also journalist uh, Harry McGee, who works for the Irish Times. Yeah, this is prompting some fairly strong reaction uh, within Many in the media, it does seem extraordinary uh, that, of course, Chris Andrews had put some postings out in X uh, in the immediate aftermath of what happened uh, in Israel. And Harry McGee really, to, to many eyes, did seem to be simply reporting that, giving an analysis of the Sinn Féin uh, position generally, its approach uh, to what was happening in Gaza as well. Uh, but Chris, Chris Andrews has taken exception to it, exception to the tone of it and what readers might infer from the overall article and as well as uh, taking the Irish Times to court, he's also going after the journalist Harry McGee. Uh, and uh, coming back to you, Tommy, we're in the middle of, um, well, we had, we've had the Greens, we had Fianna Fáil last weekend. You're off to Sinn Féin this weekend. Yes, they'll be gathering in Athlone. It's their party, Ardesh. Uh, and like the Ardesh that uh, have happened before that, they're important ones because they, they come ahead of what will be a busy year next year with local uh, and European elections. Uh, the mood, although parties would always say this, but they say the mood is upbeat. I suppose of all the parties, Sinn Féin probably is the one that can actually point to polling and say they have good reason to be upbeat. The mm -hmm. question, I suppose, for the party is, is does this uh, high performance in the polls feed through into into local elections and actually get their candidates elected. We know in 2019, they really didn't have a good election. Uh, so asked whether that can uh, be turned around and they can make significant improvements yeah. on that, uh, that remains to be seen. They believe that they can. They say that they learned lessons from 2019. They've, they're focusing in on local issues and they're hoping that will be enough uh, to make a significant difference this time around. And in a way, Michal, isn't it? There's a huge what amount about of... the big theory, though, Anya, that, that people keep floating that the general election will be held before the locals. That's the great rumour of Leinster House. Now, government won't wait uh, for Sinn Féin, based on the opinion poll data, to get a, a head of steam going before the next general election. And we'll call it before that. Yes, um, I've seen some speculation about that. We also had Micheál Martin, didn't we, at the weekend saying uh, that his preference was to go all the way uh, to March 25, that the government uh, needs to work out its full term, particularly in terms of uh, delivery on, on housing. So what's your read of all I of that? I think that is the majority view within government and perhaps it is reflective of maybe not a huge, huge amount of legislation passing through uh, the doll and Shannon at the moment, but that that, that particular rumour uh, does seem to be taking hold. And in terms of Sinn Féin, because it was interesting, wasn't it, Micheál Martin, uh, very critical when he was challenged about opinion polls at the Ordesh last weekend and talking about how they'd been wrong in the past and how there was a, was there a 10% margin of error in, uh, on a lot of the opinion polls as far as uh, he analysed it. So he's saying... Fianna Fáil is being underestimated in the opinion polls. And there's a lot of pressure on Mary Lou Macdonald, isn't there? Because the opinion polls have been so favourable, so strong for so long. The challenge now to actually turn that into seats. Because Fianna Fáil yeah, would always say that. that is a big challenge. And I'll give this one to Michal Lahan. Yeah, I... <laughs> then you can come on back in. Go on, Michal. 
No, no that, that does seem to be the challenge. And there was a fairly testy exchange between the Irish Times political editor, Pat Leahy, and Michal Martin about this. Uh, when it comes to general elections and opinion polls, Michal Martin insisting, and I suppose he there are there is quite a degree, a strong basis for that. When the election campaign gets underway, things do alter and the polls uh, do alter. Uh, nonetheless, it is the pertinent question still, would Fianna Fáil or would they not go into coalition with Sinn Féin? And I mean, if you're to look at that, the big question that stems from it is, is there any possibility based on polling data and if that doesn't change in, during the campaign to have a rotating Taoiseach again? And if that is to happen, well, what is the maximum gap that you could have between the parties uh, to allow Fianna Fáil have that role? Because anything other than that obviously becomes a harder sell to Fianna Fáil members if there is going to be a coalition. And judging by some of the vox pops we did at the Ardesh at the weekend, that could be quite a battle for the leadership if they were to come with that proposal. Uh, another question for you, Mihal, and another question uh, arising out of the Fianna Fáil Ardesh last weekend, because Mihal Martin, uh, making it very clear, he thinks uh, he wants to stand again at the next general election. He wants to lead Fianna Fáil into that general election and he wants to go back into government. And as you say, an awful lot of questions around all of that. But he's saying uh, he wants to do it. That means who's going to be doing the EU commissioner's job when it comes up in the spring? Yes, and Michael McGrath, who was the favourite and publicly at least uh, in the Business Post uh, last weekend, ruling himself out uh, of that job. So I don't know. He still would seem to be the likely contender if it wasn't going to be Michal Martin. Could someone else come into the reckoning? Uh, could someone, because it does seem that it would be a Fianna Fáil uh, position uh, given that it was Maureen mm-hmm. McGuinness the last time who replaced Phil Hogan. Could someone like Charlie McConnell come into the reckoning if, if that were to to happen and, and it wasn't going to be either Michael McGrath or Michal Martin? If all of that comes to pass, though, that will be an extraordinary uh, turn of events, uh, given that there has been so much speculation on Michal Martin to begin with, and then yeah. Michael McGrath seen as the likely second one who would go to Europe. And it could all fall to Charlie McConnell, who we've been seeing a lot more of this week, Tommy, haven't we? Given the, the controversy over over beef uh, and that uh, atypic, atypical case of BSE uh, being identified, uh, yeah, we've seen a lot of him this week. Uh, Michal Martin did seem to distance himself from the commissioner job over the weekend during our the Ardesh more so than he has done before. Uh, so I do think that's interesting. Um, he seems to, there's a view in the party that he he feels that he genuinely does have another possibility of having a tilt at the position of Taoiseach because if they didn't go into government with Sinn Féin then perhaps, and I think he is of the view that there is actually a realistic op- or potential that the coalition could be re-elected in, in some way, shape or form, maybe bringing in other parties like Social Democrats or that, or perhaps a few other independents. So there's a few options on the table. Of course, he's also mentioned in regard to an Aris run as well. So there's a few things on the horizon for Michal Martin, if he plays his cards right. So plenty to keep all the speculators speculating, Michal. There is plenty there. And I suppose the big question, though, is how much is left in this government? And I think within the ranks of the coalition within the senior ranks, at least there does seem to be a determination to to go the full distance. All right. Well, that's what we've got for you for this Thursday. Thank you to Hall in Paris, to Mary Regan and to Tommy Meskell with me here in our Leinster House studio. We'll be back to do it all again next Thursday. So until then, follow and subscribe as you will. And we'll be back with your politics this day week. Mm-hmm.